Welcome to Real Estate Business Explained. On this show, we share insights to what it really looks like to build a real estate business from the inside, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Sean, and as a coach and trainer, over the past 15 years, I've seen it all, and I wanna share what I've learned with you. So whether you're just getting started or you've already got a lot going on and you're just looking for something new, I'm confident there's gonna be something here for you. Let's get into it. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Sean Provence, your host, and we are at episode 40 of Real Estate Business Explained. I just want to say it's the new year. I'm so excited to continue doing this podcast. I've absolutely loved every moment. And I know that from having some people come into our world and in coaching with us and mentioning that this was something that was bringing them value, I'm just so grateful that it's something that people are actually using. So um, I'm looking forward to the year ahead. I'm looking forward to sharing as much as I can. And I, I just love the fact that it's bringing some people value. That's something that I just think is so cool. So we've been over the past month or so on this little little uh, journey talking about hiring people. And really, it's one of my favorite aspects of business is the people you get to work with. I, I've said a number of times, and it's something that really excites me in, in my previous business in real estate, selling homes and, and bringing people onto my team. It was really cool because I got to work with some amazing people. And yet I was starting with beginners all the time. So all of the people who came into my world were typically, you know, the majority of them were going to be freshly minted real estate licenses. So I took them from the beginning of their journey and, and I was able to give them a lot that way. What, what has been really cool in my experience in building endgame coaching has been that I've had because of what we provide, like our service, I've had the opportunity to work with an amazing level of talent. Because our bar to entry is crazy to be a coach, right? Like if I'm going to show you how to set up your business, if I'm going to say trust this person to be your leader or your partner in, in organizing how you establish your business, how you hold yourself accountable, how you lead your life, well, we can't by nature bring in new newbies or freshly freshly uh, licensed realtors um, just because it's something that we need to be we need to have walked the road you've been. So I'm getting now to work with this incredible tier of talent, like just these amazing people. And it just, it really excites me. It's something that I think is so cool. And so we've been talking about how to hire people. My goal is that if you were to listen to, I think by the time I'm done, it's going to be seven, probably six, seven, eight episodes long. If you were to listen to this whole thing, my, my hope is that you'd have a really good benchmark for the steps that you would go through to consider how they would contribute to your business, figure out how to slot them in, figure out how you were going to work with them, like what that interaction was going to look like, um, how, how to pay them, which is where we are today. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, and then beyond that, how to actually set clear expectations, how to set goals, and how to lead them through a successful launch period. Like that first 90 days, the probationary period, as it's typically called, is something that's so important. It's really where you establish what you are, are what, what it's going to be like with them working inside your organization. But today, Today, I want to talk about paying people. And paying people is a really interesting one, you know, because it's something that a lot of people think is really black and white. And this is something that culturally, uh, in, in almost every culture, we tend to most of the time think about salaried employment, right? Our last episode, we talked about the different types of ways that you can hire people like employee, contractor, temp worker, stuff like that. But most people tend to think kind of in that first bucket, you know, you're either an employee or you're a contractor. Well, there's a lot of ways that you can hire people and there's also a lot of ways that you can pay them. So what I wanted to do today was just explore some of the different ways 
that you can pay people. And I'm going to give some examples and we're just going to talk a little bit about the fact that you get to create this for yourself. There's going to be standard ways that people expect to get paid. Like there might be an industry standard in real estate. We have a lot of them, you know, there's a certain commission that agents charge. There's a typical split at most brokerages or there'll be a few commonalities, you know, like there's going to be a low fee house or there's going to be a a 70-30 split till you cap or there's going to be a 50-50 if you're on a team or you're at a brokerage where they provide more resources or leads. Like there's going to be kind of market standards, but there's no rule that you have to work within those. You can go and create anything you want and the market will tell you if it's appropriate. So just like selling something, hiring someone, you're essentially selling them to come and work with you. You get to be creative and come up with whatever comp plan you want, which I think is super neat. So um, I, I really just want to start by encouraging people. Like, don't think of this as a black and white thing. Don't think you have to do what other people do um, and have fun. Be creative. I'm going to go through, geez, what is it like? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different ways that you can pay people today. Eight. And that's probably not even all of them. And at the same time, I want you to think about how you could take those and combine them. Or, you know, maybe if there's one I missed, you could use that to, to make it possible for you to have some. A lot of times, the biggest obstacle that people have in growing their business is because they need help. And oftentimes, people need help, but they can't figure out how to afford it. They don't think they have the money. And so if you can be creative and come up with ways to reward people when you get what you want and make it a win-win for both of you, then not only are you getting yourself further ahead, but you're also creating an opportunity for someone else. And you're, you're having the opportunity for both of you to get where you're going together, which I just think is like one of the most beautiful things about business in general. Okay. So let's just talk about the basics. First of all, like I said a minute ago, most of most people think about salary. Um, uh, it's the first thing that comes to mind when they think about paying people. They're like, oh, geez, I'm going to have to put them on a salary. I'm going to be paying them every week or every month. Or, you know, I'm going to have to do uh, whatever taxes your local government has for, for employment. There's all this stuff. There's obligations. There's long-term commitment. Like, ugh. But here's the deal. I love salaries. Salaries are one of my favorite ways to pay people. It's it typically is going to be for a longer term commitment. Typically, it's going to be more of an employee style relationship. So in the last episode, we were talking about like the business relationships you can have or the types of ways that you can hire people. Um, typically, this is going to gravitate more towards that side of things. But here's the deal. A salary represents a commitment from you to them. And when done right, that commitment is usually returned. So here's here's the way that I look at it. First of all, Salaries typically assume that it's going to be 40 hours per week. I actively try to make it possible for all of the people who work in my business to work less hours. I don't care. Frankly, if you want to work, you know, as long as we're able to communicate effectively and I know that you're going to be there at times when we need you, then I really don't care what your hours are structurally on a whole, right? So if you want to take Friday afternoons off, I think that's awesome. Work a little bit extra on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? That's how I operate. So I, I I actually try to make it possible for the people who I work with to reduce the amount of energy that they put into the business. And what I get in return is that I know when times are are tight, like when we're coming up on a deadline, when there's a big project, when something goes wrong, I know that this, I'm going to get it back because those same people that I was comfortable with and I was kind to, they're going to jump in. So I, I love salaries because I remove the expectation of any hours and I say, 
you have a responsibility, you have a role in this business. And what you need to do is you need to fulfill that role. And then from there, I don't really care how you do it. If you can find tools that let you do more, what I'm going to do is help you look for your next opportunity. And hopefully I can pay you more or help you work less by doing that. So it's just this awesome win-win. Okay. The other most common thing that people think about, number two we'll say is hourly. So hourly is, you know, it's kind of what you think. Hourly is if you work for 40 hours at 10 bucks an hour, you get paid 400 bucks. And this would be a good way to do it. Um, usually this would be something that you'd use more when you have someone who's less of a regular within your business. Um, it can lead to kind of counting, which I really don't like. I don't want to count pennies with people. I want to talk about the bigger picture and, and move towards something that like I, I want us on a mission. I don't want someone coming in and, you know, being like, well, I started, you know, 10 minutes late, but I worked 40 minutes extra. So pay me the extra half hour. Like it's this big and like, how long was your lunch? When did you come? When were you not here? You left early on Friday. What was that about? I just don't like that in a relationship with people. Um, if you have people who don't work regular hours though, you probably need to do this. So an example of that could be, you know, if you have irregular shifts where people are showing up for desk time to answer the phones, like if a receptionist would be a good example. And they work like, you know, X number of hours here and there. They're not there every day. They do weekends, they do evenings, and, and there's three of them splitting the calendar. Well, that would make sense. I've, I've got clients who have uh, stagers who come in and they stage properties periodically. Well, hey, you know, if you're not here every day, I'm not going to pay you a salary. Um, you're going to need to track it. If you're going to do it, I, I recommend, um, I really like for salaries and for hourly, I really like to have start of day and end of day reports. And this is really simple. It's just like, when you start your day, I want an email. Just say what you're going to do. Okay. End of day, send me the same email. Tell me what you did. Okay. Just clean. Then I know when your shift started. I know when your shift ended. Uh, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it, it works. The other, the, the last thing I'll say about hourly is that I was talking about with salaries, how I like to try to reduce my expectation of them to work a certain amount of time in exchange for knowing that their job is just to get that, that responsibility cared for that I trusted them with. Um, and I know as well that hopefully they're not working 40 hours a week and they're, they're loving working with our organization because of that. But at the same time, I know that if, when I need them, they're going to step up, they're going to work hard. And when they are working, they're going to work effectively. So that's why I like salaries. The thing that is the catch 22 with hourly is that it's kind of the opposite. You think about the classic union worker example, right? Like the guy's leaning on his shovel and he doesn't care. He's paying, getting paid 56 bucks an hour. And the longer the job takes, the more money he gets. It kind of breeds this, um, it breeds this negative mindset around what you're actually here to do. So I just don't like it. And, and personally, my goal is to create a life for myself and the people who I work with and the people like on my team and our clients. My goal is to create a life where they have time freedom. They have abundance. They have a tremendous amount coming to them. And uh, they're, they're only doing the things that they love and they're, they're not spending so much time doing those things that it feels like a burden. They're, they're enjoying every moment of their time with it. And hourly pay doesn't, doesn't reflect that. So anyways, I've said enough. I'm going to move on. The third one is contractors. So contractor piecework is differently, different from hourly where you, you pay to the result. So you say to someone, I need a new website. I'm not a web designer. I don't have a web designer on my team. I'm going to pay you $7,000. You're going to build me a website. And when the website's complete, I'll pay you. 
or, you know, I'll give you a retainer, I'll give you a, a starting chunk, like I'll pay that, you know, whatever that I think we call it a retainer. And then, you know, when it's 50%, then you get this. And when it's done, you get this. So then you tear out the payments and they have a little bit to get them through. This is really common with contractors, right? You pay for the materials first. So if I, and I mean like a home contractor, like someone who's renovating or builders, right? Kind of thing. So with them, usually there'll be benchmarks that they'll hit along the way where you say, okay, well, I'll pay for materials on day one. You go buy your wood and your, your screws and your plumbing stuff or whatever. Um, once you have the rough in done for the plumbing, I give you X amount. Once you get to the point that the drywall's up, you get this. So you can, you can break it out. But generally the idea is you're exchanging money for a result. Okay. Um, this is a great way to work towards having people come in and support you in something that you don't, um, you don't regularly need. So be a one-time project or a larger initiative, or maybe it's something that you just don't understand. You could also, uh, you could also look at this as a fractional thing. Like on our last episode, we talked about the different types of people that you can bring in. One of them was a fractional worker. So you have a really high level of skill. The example I gave was a CFO, chief financial officer. I don't need or want to spend the money to have a full-time CFO. It doesn't make any sense for the size of my organization. But, you know, in, in a couple of years, I'm going to need someone who checks my books so I could have someone for four hours a month or two hours a week, and I could just pay them for a fraction of the time that they have, and they'd spend that time working on my, my needs. So this would be a great example of that. I'd pay you for that piece of time. I don't want to confuse paying someone as a contractor with a contractor versus employee relationship. There's a lot of little differences in how those two things show up. So um, go back and listen to the last episode. It's not entirely the same thing, although usually the two line up. Okay. So we've got salaries, number one. We've got hourly, number two. Number three was contractors and piecework. Well, the next next way that you can pay people is going to be retainers and signing bonuses. This is a really cool one. So um, a retainer is a, a fee that you pay someone when they get started. Okay. So it's it's something that you say, hey, you know what? I want you to come in and you're doing a role where you might not get paid a lot right away. We're going to talk about commission next. Maybe I should have done these in a different order. But, you know, think about a classical, classic salesperson, right? You might say, hey, you know, it's going to take 60 days for your pipeline of business to start showing up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a, a retainer of $2,000 to start. Or I'm going to pay you um, $2,000 a month for three months. I, I like doing it tiered. So I'll say, hey, you know, you're coming into a sales role. You're going to start getting commission around month two, three, and four. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay you... Uh, a retainer of three grand on month one, two grand on month two, one grand on month three. And then after that, you're just commissioned. So then they have kind of like a, a cross fade with the two ways of earning money. So I think that can be really cool. A signing bonus is something that we see a lot with really sought after talent. So one of my sisters is a doctor, you know, she gets recruited to be a doctor in a new hospital there's a big check that they send you for saying yes. And it's tied to you staying for a certain amount of time. So I've used this as well. You know, and you're, you're in a pinch. You see someone who's super talented. You want them in the organization. You know that they can fix your need and they, you, you want them. Like they're going to be a huge asset to your growth and to you getting where you want to go. And you say, hey, you know what? I'll give you blank for getting started, right? I, I used one recently where I said, Get, I'll give you uh, signing bonus of blank. And when you get to X number of months and you complete this project, so you hit a benchmark, then you get another signing, you get a, the, another bonus of equal amount. 
So these can be a great way to get people on board. It can be a great way to help people get started with you. And just generally, um, it's nice because it's not a long-term commitment. Okay. The next one, uh, which frankly, I should have probably put in before that one is commission. So commission is where someone doesn't get any money from you until they produce something. This is almost always going to be associated with a sales role. But, you know, having said that, there's probably a ton of examples where it's not. And I'm just, you know, not from that, that industry. So commission should be familiar to anyone thinking about real estate, right? So commission is like you sell the house, the house closes, you get the commission. So it's pretty simple. And we as in the real estate industry, we think about them as percentages usually. So, you know, we get X percent when we when we list or buy and it's based on the sale price. And then from there, there's a percentage that goes off to our office and I get the remainder or whatever. But it doesn't have to be a percentage. It could be uh, a dollar amount. It could be, you know, a, a certain amount per unit. So there's a lot of different ways that you can structure this. Again, get creative. Think about different ways that this could work. It's, and the other thing with commission is that it doesn't have to be linear. So you could have a commission that is big on the first certain amount and then smaller ab- above and beyond that because whether you're doing a, a big deal or a small deal, it's still a deal. It still takes the same amount of work. It's just that this one happens to be bigger. So you could say, hey, the first chunk is at a higher amount because you're doing the work and then that gets smaller. Another way to look at that too is that you can make that the opposite. So, and this is actually getting more common now in, um, in real estate teams where they say, hey, if you get past a certain point, your commission split goes up. We see this a lot because it's something that um, it incentivizes people to work harder because if they get to that next deal, they're going to get to keep more. But also importantly, the other thing that's really cool is it makes it so that um, it's almost a little more fair because if you have two people who are part of the same organization and one of them is doing five units and the other one's doing 50 units, they're both going to take a baseline of work. Every unit is going to be more work for the organization as well, but that baseline's paid for once they get past five or 10 units. So why not let the superstar keep a little bit extra because they're bringing so much more to the table and they've already kind of paid in to the organization's under undercurrent of cost. So it can be a really nice way to just be fair and incentivize. And also importantly, it, it attracts and retains rock stars. And we're going to talk more about this in a minute. Okay. The next one is bonuses and I've lost count. So let's see, we're at one, two, three, four, five, we're <laughs> five. So the fifth way to pay people is bonuses. So what's the difference between a bonus and a commission? A bonus is something that gets paid when you reach a certain result. And commission is something that's paid every time, typically a sale happens or whatever the, the thing you're measuring it against happens. So a bonus is something that they're aiming for. So it's tied to results. You can also standardize this. So it can be something that your entire team has access to to a bonus structure. Um, I like bonuses as a tool to get people moving and as a way to reward contributors. So we'll start first with rewarding contributors. Rewarding contributors is something that um, I, I would look at it more from the administrative side. So if I've got someone on my admin team, my operations side, well, I want to show them that we appreciate them. And if they're showing up as a rock star, I, I want to give them something special. This Think of it like the Christmas bonus, right? Like they're going to get a little bit extra kind of peeled off and shuffled their way as a way to say thank you. Um, what, I, what I do now is I tie bonuses instead of annually because I don't like years. I think they're too long to, to base someone's um, 
I think a year is too long to use as a measurement of someone's success. I like quarters, right? Go read the 12 week year. It's a great book kind of on that concept. It's been around for a while. And um, what we do with our ops team is every quarter we ask everyone on our operations team, if they're interested to take on a project, build something new, organize something differently, create something. And if they do that successfully, what we do is we have them pitch us before the beginning of the quarter. So they write out a plan during the quarter, they build it. And then at the end of the quarter, we give them a quarter of their yearly bonus allotment for completing the project. So it's not, uh, uh, I don't want anyone in maintenance roles. I want people in building roles or in sales roles. And that incentivizes the things that we want. So we're tying the incentivization to them doing what they need to do. Bonuses for salespeople are awesome. So think about this. A bonus could be me saying, hey, by the way, you get your commission, but if you get blank, I'm going to throw an extra 20 grand at you, right? And these you can get really splashy with, right? So what I, I, I like is like, I'll, I'll take my, my standing goal and then I'll get my big hairy ass goal, like that big goal, which is really what I want. I'll say, hey, you meet my standing goal, you get blank. But if you, if you hit your BHAG, I'm going to throw an extra like ridiculous amount of money at you. So think about what it would look like in your business to completely change things. Like what, what thing could a salesperson do in your business that would completely change the landscape financially for you? If they could go out and do that, why wouldn't you give them a crazy ass bonus and put it in front of them? Certain ones will step up to it and just say, Hey, you know, anyone who does a hundred ends this year, I'm going to give you $50,000. If they write a hundred ends, 50,000 bucks is nothing compared to what they did to contribute to your company, but getting that and the, the valor, like the personal achievement that's associated with it is awesome. Okay. Tie it into that. The next way to pay people is prizes and contests. Okay. Prizes and contests are something that are, um, it's just a really fun way to get people engaged. So I'll give a couple examples. Um, it, it's a way to get people engaged. And my favorite way to use it is to put people into sprint mode. Okay. So you could use it, for example, on a smaller setting. We used to do this all the time on our team where we'd say, hey, you know what? Next 60 days, we're going heads down. We're going to just gun as hard as we can. Here's the challenge. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Everyone who finishes the challenge, having done the lead indicators, like the calls, the conversations, the appointments, whatever, whatever your lead indicators are for sales, um, anyone who does those, we're all going out to dinner. But anyone who hits the sales goal, which is A, B, C, then you're actually also going to get blank. And, it, and this does not need to be money. Okay. So it could be, it could be a gift certificate. It could be a trip. It could be like you, you give them and their spouse something to fly out of town with or something, right? Cool thing there. Don't forget. It's a great tax write-off. Okay. Now you could also do it annually. So one of my clients, he takes his whole team, anyone who hits a certain standard, they all fly down to like Mexico or something. They spend a week together as a team. Cool thing there is again, everyone wants to get to that benchmark, right? They want it bad because it's not just the trip. It's the, the, the club that it puts them in. But then also importantly, people who do that get to spend that time together. And for team culture, dude, that is dynamite. That's huge. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, last, last one is OTE, on-track earnings. This is a kind of way of taking all the stuff above and combining it together to, to set expectations and show the milestones. 
on-track earnings is basically you taking whatever combination of the above stuff that you're looking at and saying, um, you know, if you get blank, you'll do this. But look what you get if you do blank. So think about it like this. I was talking about the bonuses that you could hit or the tiered commissions where it scales up. OTE is essentially taking whatever that package you've created is and showing it to someone on a couple examples. So your on-track earning could be that if you do 10 ends, you make 50,000. But if you do 20, you make 130. And by the way, if you do 30, you make $210,000. And here's how it works. So on-track earnings is kind of something that I think, um, how do we describe it? On-track earnings is something that we use to lay this all out for people. Okay, now I've got a couple bonus ones I want to talk about. The first one is um, equity. So giving people a share in your company um, or or stock options if you have a way of doing that. Um, this is something that's really neat. I, I work with one team where what, what we did was their team gives a partnership option where people can buy in. And you see this a lot in law firms. I don't know that money is always exchanged. It, it'll vary, but essentially you could say if you get to blank, you earn the you earn a small number of shares or if you get to blank you earn the right to purchase a certain number of shares we see this a lot of the time as a way to raise capital for new ventures right another thing that a lot of people do is they make co-investments together so they'll say hey you know we have an investment club if you want we'll match your dollars or something like that there's a lot of ways that you can create a longer term um, opportunity for someone to be tied closer to your organization i just think it's really neat the last one I want to talk about is something that I think is really cool. It's it's taking what you do and instead of hiring someone to make it part of your ecosystem, you turn them into a customer. And this is something that most people haven't figured out, okay? But I'll give a couple examples. A realtor at a brokerage is not an employee. They're not a contractor truly because they pay the broker. So what what they did was they just took the typical arrangement that we think of as employment and they said, actually, you know what? You're not guaranteed to make anything. So I'm going to need you to pay me a little bit because otherwise I'm losing money on you. Okay. Another example of this is Airbnb. Airbnb needed homes to rent out. So what they did was they said, I don't want to go and rent homes and manage the whole thing. Instead of me being the business and selling directly to the consumer, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a services suite. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to package it to someone who can go to the consumer. So Airbnb's customers are the owners of homes. And when those people find someone to rent their space through their own efforts, using the app as a marketing platform and a management platform, Airbnb takes 20%. It's smart. You could say the same thing about Uber. Now, I think this is a, a significant direction our economy is going in. Because if you think about it, Airbnb is the largest hotel or, uh, organization and Uber is the largest taxi cab organization and neither of them own any property or cars. That's messed up. So look at your business and say, is there a way that I could monetize this almost in reverse and make it easier for me to scale because I don't have to take on the burden of all these things? I think it's brilliant. Let's talk about a couple examples. Okay. Well, the classic is a realtor. A realtor is going to be a split and, and again, this is almost more of a customer relationship from my perspective. They're a split. They're paying two things. They have an example of them paying a desk fee and they're paid a split 
or a transaction fee. So they're a customer to the brokerage. They're paying the brokerage a, a split on their deals and they're paying the brokerage a flat fee. Now, we'll also often see transaction fees. fees. So when they write a deal, maybe it's not a, a high service brokerage. Maybe it's a lower tier brokerage in terms of service. And instead of getting um, all the support that you get at a full service house, you, you get much less, but you only pay a fraction of it. A, another example is a realtor on a team. Now they are typically gonna have much lower expenses and they're gonna have a commission arrangement, okay? I love to get creative. So I'm not selling homes. I'm not your typical brokerage. I'm not following that model anymore. So when I hire people, especially in a sales role, I'm, I'm creating a couple different options, right? I have some people who I brought in on a base plus salary. So uh, a, or a base plus commission. So in the past, I've hired people where I've said, here's your base salary, you get this much, or you get a retainer, you know, three, two, one, or five, three, one, or whatever. You drop the amount over the first three months. So they get a little bit of money to get them started. And when you sell, here's what it looks like. And you make a split or something like that. I really like using bonuses. So I've actually moved away from using commission. And instead what I do right now is I, for my in-house salespeople who work for me, like on a salary, I pay them a certain number of hours per week. Um, as a salary. So they've got, they've got a, a base salary. And then I set quarterly goals. So every quarter we set goals and I associate commission splits with, uh, or bonuses with that. So if you get to blank, this is your bonus. If you get to blank, this is your bonus. And again, I'm incentivizing it to hockey stick. I'm saying, Hey, you know, like you'll get the basics, but if you go hard and you really kick ass, look at what you can do. Okay. So you can work out all kinds of different arrangements. And then with contests and prizes, um, I really love to have the opportunity for people to do something amazing. So I think probably in the next year or so, I'm going to be running some examples internally. But on my team, we used to do this really cool thing where we'd do these sprints and we'd put like monetar monetary or, or physical gifts that would be associated with winning. We also did kind of a reverse um, a reverse prize where we'd say, hey, we're all signing up for this course or this trip. You sign up at your own expense. If you're at such and such a production level, I'll pay your travel. If you're at such and such a production level, I'll pay for your ticket. And if you're at such and such a production level, I'll even buy your food. Like I will just spoil the crap out of you. So it's a nice way to incentivize them to work and protect yourself also from just blowing money on someone who's not going to show up. Okay. Um, whew. There's a lot there. And I hope that you kind of take this more, not like a, a roadmap, but more like a brainstorming map. Like, just take all these ideas and say, like, how could I make it amazing for someone to work with me within my budget? And how do I make it that when they get what they want or when I get what I want, I give them what they want? Okay. So where do you get started? Well, here's the deal. The first thing you need to do is look at the whole company. So I like to do this just in a percentage allotment. What do I want my profitability to be? I always, like for me in the businesses I've typically run, I want to aim because we're in a uh, we're in a high cost business because we have talent associated with every deal. I have to have someone really talented serving each of my clients. Um, so for me, I've always run businesses that typically operate in around a 25 to 40% profit margin. I like that range. So what does that leave you for your administrative like what, what does it realistically cost you to run your operations 
in the background. Okay. And then I like to look at my fulfillment cost. So I've got my operations, but also I have like stuff that I do for my clients. Classic in real estate is staging. That'll eat you alive if you're putting furniture in people's houses. I, I know from experience. And then I like to look as well at what I can reasonably bonus a salesperson. So I still have enough of a margin of error so that if one of my other dots misses, I'm not underwater on my profit. But I'm also making an offer to them that is really attractive. A general rule when hiring people is pay as much as you possibly can because I want the best people I possibly can. So don't come at this looking at it like how little can I pay them? Say, how much could I possibly pay? Because I want to have that person that's like up here. I want someone amazing. Um, Another just important rule is to think about scale. So what you're doing might work right now, but will it work when you're 10x where you are right now? I have a friend who this happened to. She had her first admin and she said, look, I can't afford to pay you much. I'll just give you such and such a percent, right? You can kind of imagine where this is going. Two, three years later, that same administrator was making $300,000 a year. And this is a really uncomfortable position. This is where you either need to pay someone $300,000 a year to file paperwork, or you need to fire them, or you need to do a take back and say, hey, like, this isn't working for me. Like, I'm not going to continue with you unless we change this because it doesn't make sense. All three of those options suck. So think about scale. You can make, um, and one of the ways to do this is to avoid making lifetime deals. So I was talking a minute ago about how my bonus structure is now, instead of doing like a commission thing or something that scales all the way up, because I've tried so many times to figure out how to make a deal that works at, you know, 50 units and a thousand units, it's usually not going to be something that makes sense. So what I do is I do quarterly bonuses. That way, as my marketing gets better, as our brand recognition gets better, as we get more out there and we have more coming to us naturally, my salespeople don't have to work as hard. I'm not going to pay them the same amount. I'm going to be able to step back and reorganize because I never made a lifetime deal. Okay. So start by mapping out your organization, look at what you need and look at how you realistically could pay that person. You could pay using any of these things as a way to create this amazing number of options to to make it a win for both of you. And I think that's the most important point. When you look at what you're doing, try to build it in such a way that when you get what you want, you give to your business and the people who got you there what they want or need. And um, have fun with it. Okay. That was a lot. I hope that this was huge value for me, for you. I loved making it. I'm so excited to continue this year and continue putting this stuff out there. And for everyone who listened, thank you for your time. And we'll see you on the next one.